Welcome back, everybody, to the Deeper Than Sunday podcast. This podcast exists to be an extension of Grace Church San Diego's teaching on Sunday. Back in the book of Acts, chapter 17, we got a first-time guest, co-host today. Can you introduce yourself? Hello, I'm Ashley. I'm a college student. Actually, no, I'm a recently graduated college student. Just graduated in December, but lead house church and college ministry, resident with Grace. So I am. Welcome. Welcome. Who else we got? My name is Josh. I was the preacher this Sunday. We also have another uh, special guest, a new soundboard on the podcast today. (laughs) Very nervous. Don't know if it's going to work, but if you're hearing this, it has worked. So um, let's go ahead and roll the theme song. And we are back. Luckily, Ashley, you are a member of Gen Z, right? Yes. So we are going to put you through the ringer and make you do the Gen Z recap. Acts 17, um, what was it? 22 through 34 in in the the Gen Zer words of the parlance of our time. (laughs) Could you give us a Gen Z recap? In Gen Zer words, man. Okay. Well, I can do it in in the best words that I have. Um, <laughs> Acts 17, uh, this this passage was really good because, and the sermon was really good too, because it was just what Paul said. And what Paul said was already so good. But pretty much it took place in modern, not modern day, but where modern day Athens is Mars Hill. Um, you can see it today. There's uh, Acts 17. Wait, wait, wait. You're reading notes? You made notes for this? This is what I took during church. Oh, my gosh. I take it every day. Look at this. Prepared for the podcast. She told me it was a good sermon. She can come back every week. You don't have to butter him up. He's fine. He knows it was good. No, well, Paul was good. He just talked what Paul (laughs) said. Yeah, yeah. very nice copy, Paul. (laughs) Very true. Yeah. Uh, Okay, so tell us what happened. So on the script, and that's where he, like, gave his little speech, his little sermon. Um, But he talked about how there was idols up on that hill and he that they were like making of like gold and different fancy things and Paul was kind of upset with how the way of the world was and with all this idolatry and he's like no guys like the Lord is sufficient God is enough we don't need to be creating all these other idols just focus on the Lord he's created the nations and he's ruling them so that's who we should be focusing all of our attention towards. And then he really emphasized like he's not a distant God either. Like he is near to us. And those of us who seek him and go to God, he will draw near to those. And then obviously emphasize that Jesus is the most important saving faith and that we don't have to do the old ways. Jesus is all we need. Uh, can I give a round of applause on the podcast? <laughs> Good job. How'd you do, Josh? Great. Well done. Thank you. Thank you. Awesome. Okay, well, let's get this party started. Uh, at the end, it says, after Paul says all this, some of the people became followers of Paul and believed. So I guess the first question that I have is, um, it doesn't seem like these people had ever heard of Jesus, or do we know how much exposure they've had to this story before Paul said it? Ooh, I don't know. It says these ideas were new. They call him a babbler uh, early on. It's got like a diss, right? Yeah, it's yeah. a bit of a diss. <laughs> uh, and they are making fun of him 
at least initially, but they see these are new ideas, so they then say, let's take him to the Areopagus, like the supreme philosophers, and let him share uh, in front of the big group. And that's so that's just the, the background of mm. pre-sermon. So you've got like the smartest people in the area here, right? In that time, they were, the philosophers were seen as probably the smartest, I would guess. Yeah, they, they certainly were the most... Uh, I, I just am weird to use the word smart because sometimes yeah. philosophers, they're sitting around talking about thoughts all day. Yeah they, yeah. they were intrigued by new ideas. They were moved by uh, the wisdom of the day. And so Paul had a new thought. They wanted to hear the new thought. Okay. So some people believed. Um, my question is then, wh- what about that time or what was going on that people had never heard this story and they just believed it? Like, is that my personality that... I would never do that. If somebody walked through the door now, told me a brand new idea, like I gotta Google that. I gotta ask somebody else. I gotta get a second opinion. But they just believe. Is that just the spirit working, or do we know? Well, I think this happens in every city. Uh, often, the gospel shows up in power. This is one of the first times where there's not uh, miraculous things happening at the same time the gospel is being presented. So I wonder if they were just so susceptible to new thoughts that this one felt like the most compelling they'd ever heard or had a certain uh, conviction to it that previously they hadn't known. But I'm not sure. I mm-hmm. think it's supernatural. Yeah. What about you, Ashley? Are you a skeptic? Or if if I tried to convince you of something now, would you be like, okay, and believe me or what? Honestly, yeah, probably. Yeah. <laughs> that's just because you respect me, right? Yes. That's, She's that's a kind it. person, yeah. Jeff, yeah. unlike those in Athens. Maybe a little gullible, yeah. too. Like, yeah. Yeah. Um, excellent. Lovely glasses, by the way. Oh, thank you. Our poor listeners can't see them, but they're really nice. They just caught my eye. Anyway, and now I'm buttering you up. Um, <laughs> this <okay>. is fun. <laughs> so any thoughts on that? Like, d- does it strike you odd, Ashley, that mm. he just walks in and starts talking and people are like, yeah, I'll believe that. Man, because that's just who Paul was. <laughs> it doesn't strike me as odd. Um, I'd be interested to hear like the Paul of modern day, like if he were to walk up today, mm-hmm. like on my campus and be like, do that exact same thing, like who would be standing there reposting it and like listening to him? Or would it just be like, okay, you're a babbler and everyone sure. just goes on with their business yeah. and not really paying attention? I think it'd be interesting to see how it would be received, but I think there could be good reception and a lot of just like, you're weird. These contexts don't exist in our modern world. I think that's what's hard. It's, it's mm-hmm. almost like yeah. the college campus is a concept. And there's a famous YouTuber named Cliff. Have you guys seen this this older gentleman who mm-hmm. goes on college campuses and reasons with people? It's different than like the preacher. There's some preachers that will go on campus and uh, their intentions are probably really pure and beautiful, but they're preaching instead of mm-hmm. dialoguing typically. And it just creates drama. Because nobody asked yeah. for it. Right. So I, I remember at Washington State University, uh, very good-willed people would come and try to preach. And it just didn't have the same reception versus this guy Cliff, who's a little bit more well-known, goes into public free speech areas, a crowd gathers, and he does Q&A and reasons with people. And so if, if at the end of one of Cliff's sessions, uh, I could see someone believing and so I wonder if that's what Paul was doing. He was reasoning with them, talking through things, and then some of them believed at the end. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, 
one of the reasons why he gives this whole talk is they've got just idols throughout the city, right. tons and tons of idols, um, which you brought up in the sermon. Um, and so I guess my question is like, what idols burden you the most? What are the most dangerous idols that, that we're worshiping nowadays? In our city uh, yeah. or just in the world? Yeah. I, I was trying to, I'm not sure how to answer that, Jeff, because I was trying to talk about things that are, that our cultural moment is passionate about. So I talked about justice, identity, uh, serving the marginalized. Like these are uh, these are so hot right now to use Zoolander language. So hot right now. Uh, you seen Zoolander? No. No. Uh, you, that's Gen Z. See, Probably came here, out here before she was born. Uh, Will Ferrell is in a movie with Ben Stiller. They're they're models, and uh, he, he uses that phrase. Didn't they uh, come up with a second one of those? Yes, yeah, they did. Too. Okay, that was in my yeah, generation. Yeah, don't watch that one. I don't okay. think I've seen Owen that. Wilson is the other model, yep. and he's yep. he's mm-hmm. so hot right now. Yeah. That's, uh, that's, that's Will right. Ferrell's okay. phrase. What's Somehow his name? Somehow Korea is What's involved. his name in that movie? Oh, gosh, uh, that's... I have no Hansel, idea. Hansel, Hansel, yeah, <laughs> so hot right now. <laughs> yeah, so good. So okay, that's that's not to diminish the the serious things that are culturally popular. <laughs> I'm not saying that. It's just where my mind goes. Uh, so I think each generation has different things they get passionate about. We're having a moment with justice and reconciliation, and it's beautiful. I, I think it's great. The idols we worship in San Diego um, probably get into like image, like body image, uh, which could be anywhere. Uh, you know, we're the most expensive city to live in America, allegedly. That's what the, That's the what polls say. That's what we've been told. I mean, I believe it. And so yeah. uh, there's probably something around finances that can be uh, become idolatrous. Safety. What's under finances is probably safety. And, and so I, I think there's these temptations that we have in San Diego that maybe aren't the same as somewhere in the Midwest or somewhere in the South. And so those would be the idols of our day. A lot of military people live in San Diego, so I don't know that we are the most politically um, enraged. Can I use that word? Sure. Or, or divided in some ways. It feels we're, we're more purple. Mm-hmm. Um, just I think the military presence uh, offsets some things. So... But that's just anecdotal. There's yeah. no data on idols. No one tells you, here's the four idols of the city. Sure. <laughs> There's no data. And in reality, would you say that everything but Jesus is an idol? Yeah. Any, like anything, anything can turn it. Uh, anything that you're putting your uh, effort, allegiance, anything you're worshiping. And that, yeah, very quickly can become, and it's usually good things. Like being healthy is a good thing. Financial security is a good thing. Family is a good thing. But when those become a God thing, that that's idolatry. Yeah. What about for your friend group, Ashley? What do you see mm-hmm. people are just idolizing now? For my friend group, um, I'd say just for my like the people I'm around, I'd say it's the self, especially at our age where, as in my community, like we're getting an education, we're trying to educate ourselves, we're trying to get a career that's satisfying, providing safety and security and financially. Um, our lives and our image is we have a digital first impression that we have to uphold rather than just a physical first impression when we walk into any room because as soon as you meet someone or you know someone they're going to look you up on Instagram if they're at all interested Um, so there's a digital impression that we have to uphold and that can be idolizing in itself of maintaining that and the physical impression as well of like what is my education? What are what are my check marks on a resume? How do I look physically? Things like that. So 
I, I'd really say all those elements of, of the self and self-presenting, especially in our years of presenting ourselves to the world and people that we interact with. Mm. I, think, I think the Gen Xers listening would be appreciative that your generation is looking for a career because I don't think a lot of people <laughs> think you guys are. It's, it's the job of the previous generation to say the next gen is lazy and yeah, exactly. uh, yeah. underperforming. They're, they're, it's not true. They're just defending their own generation, right? Um, There's okay. a radical self-individualization like yeah. that I think is permeating everyone, that you're curating a certain image mm-hmm. to be presented to the world, uh, even curating vulnerability, curating significance curating achievement uh it you can watch it you can watch how people live in the real world and then how they uh, present online and feel the tension of um like the the dichotomy between those two realities and so that uh that can it can sort of disorient you to what's real and and, uh, i tried to not make fun of any of those things but look through those things to ask the question what are people really seeking because Paul was able to do that. He's not mean to them. He, he does preach convictionally, but he's like, I see that you're very religious. I even see that, like, he, he's got a certain sense of, uh, I, I see that you're hungry. Let me tell you what satisfies. And, and I think the church typically wants to just be mad. Uh, outrage is easier than empathy. Or empathy goes too far and becomes affirmation. And then you're just into these two places, neither of which show the beauty of the gospel uh, which Paul was able to do in Acts 17, and I think we can learn from. Yeah, I thought you did it beautifully talking about these, like specifically like the justice thing. Like that is the, justice is at the heart of God. That yeah. is something God wants us to do. Yet when it plays out in the real world, especially like since the summer Black Lives Matter and all that stuff, it, it does create like anger. Like if you're not on this team, then we hate you. You are yeah. not an ally. You need to get behind us. And, but that's not the heart of God. It's so easy to distort something into an idol or just to do it wrong. It's tricky. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, moving on. How would you define the spirituality of our day? Ooh, compared to Athens or just... Yeah, I mean, if you if somebody said, describe us, describe us how we look at spirituality, because um, that was one of your slides, is yeah. that Paul understood how they viewed spirituality and, right. and met them where they were. If we want to meet people where they are, we've got to know where they are. So, Pastor Josh, preach I, a little. Oh, man, I'm just going to ramble for a minute. You want to kick it battle. to Ashley while just you let think? Me, <laughs> let me ramble okay. and uh, you guys correct me. So you could say something like, okay, astrology is on the rise. It's always been on the rise. It's always been out there. Crystals are on the rise. Okay. okay. Uh, I don't know that that's clearly communicating what's happening. I think every subgroup has their own things. There are people manifesting the future. There are people doing astrology. There are also people worshiping politics. There are people worshiping government. So everyone has their thing. Uh, I just wonder if underneath it all, it's this picture of like, there's a better me in the future. And if I need a higher power to help me get to the better me, then I'm willing to, uh, it's, it's as if spirituality is a means to an end. And the end is always a better version of myself. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Jelly Roll, famous country singer, who just won some awards. Uh, seems like a really good dude. Like when you look at his stuff online, he's been through uh, drug addiction, prison, uh, all these things. And, and very, uh, 
easy to get behind celebrity. He spoke at a award show where he won, I don't know if it was artist of the year, album of the year. This is, this is where I'm just going to ramble. If you go look up his speech, he starts to sound like a preacher. He basically sounds like, you know, whatever you've been through, what's next is better than what's behind you. And you just keep moving forward. And, you know, you're not done yet. Basically preaching what a lot of preachers sound like without teaching Jesus. And I don't think that's, I I got no beef with Jelly Roll. It's just there is a draw to future version of me is worth the fight. Future version of me is going to be better. So I think the religion of our day is what Ashley referenced earlier. Self-worship, idolizing future version of me, and will use any means necessary to get there. If that's astrology, if that's anything that says, oh, that's, that's, that's the Sagittarius acting like that. Well, as long as that's a better version of me or an Enneagram number or whatever. And, uh, and I think that's exhausting. So, okay, I'm, I'm totally rambling now, but it, it doesn't achieve what you think it achieves, even in the country music wards where he preaches it. Uh, it it's a echo of the gospel that is exhausting, not fulfilling. Right. And I would even go further and say, I'll put myself in this category, but there's definitely people at our church, but me, who I am doing that. And I sure. put my full faith in Jesus Christ. But if I really examined, why am I getting up and reading my Bible? Because I want to be a better Christian. You hear it all the time. I want to be a better Christian. Not, And so then it stops there where I think, maybe you could correct me if I'm wrong, if we didn't stop there and said, yes, I want to be a better Christian so I may present my life to the Father. that I Like, I am going to lay down my life. I, I don't want to give him bat. Right, I want right. to give him good. And so, and it's a small difference, but how do we, how do we get people to not worship themselves then? Cause that doesn't sound fun. Like I'm going to, I'm going to do this for this invisible God that I don't really even know yeah. exists. And I'm going to, de- we get one life. We don't hit reset and start over. Right. Am I going to spend my life waking up early, reading my Bible, being good to my wife, good to my kids, like, you know, fruits of the spirit, for nothing like how do you how do you get that message to the masses and they receive it what do you think ashley man i think it's knowing the gospel and i love it josh whenever you say like when was the last time like the gospel has brought you to tears and like there is a compelling story in the goodness of who jesus is and who god is that can make, like, turn our guts around to know that, like, this is who died for me. And when you weigh it on a scale of, like, is it me or is it he who died for me? And that's when you turn it around from the self, or at least that's how it is for me, is knowing the greater story. Can you remember how you got there, though? Mm. Were you always there? Did you grow up in a Christian house? No. Well, kind of, yes. I was wow. a Christmas Easter okay. family. What What did it for you? You can't say the Holy Spirit. I can't say the Holy Spirit. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, it really, like, what did it for me was probably in middle school. I remember sitting down with my youth leader and being like, what does it mean that he died for our sins? 
because I've always heard that and like never understood it and when they like spelled it out like he took your time in hell up on the cross and not just yours for eternity but every single person who ever lived or whoever will live and my jaw just dropped Mm. and like knowing that was the pain that he suffered he suffered that pain on the cross and that's when I realized I remember in that second like just the overwhelming love and also like I can never compare to that he took that pain on for me and I think it's understanding that gospel and that truth that turns the picture of like not me but you it's good because I would say that most people know that they're broken deep down they know they're flawed but like you said they have been conditioned to believe they're the only way to unbreak themselves is by them it's Dave Goggins it's you know wake up you're the only one who can change you which to an extent we have free will and we have to do things but the submission to God seems like way easier right yeah I think there's a there's a place to be prophetic and edgy and like aggressive and like hey here's the truth and Paul has a little bit of that in his conviction in the sermon Um, I just was trying to communicate uh, you are seeking your treasure mostly in yourself, and and if you can get Christ to be your treasure, then that sequence of Christ is my treasure, then you can enjoy watching the Barbie movie or whatever mm-hmm. as a missionary, not as a person looking to be satisfied or significant or treasured. And that, I don't mean to say this like it's super intellectual, but like that can feel mature because then the pathway to that, it's it's easier to call the halftime show of the Super Bowl satanic. It's easier to do. And whether it is or isn't satanic, I don't know. I, so it's, that's not my issue. My issue is, is trying to uh, almost be like an anthropologist, like a cultural anthropologist. And our issues in America are not the same as the issues in Guatemala. Like when we, we were just there last week, uh, there are, I think there are Christians there truly dying to themselves for the sake of others and giving their lives to help other people in poverty and need. And it, it almost hurts you to see it. You, as an American, you show up and you watch and you're like, oh, am I even a Christian? Like you'll start, <laughs> you're like, yes, I am. Jesus <laughs> is my treasure. But when you see the, the radical self-sacrifice, it's jarring to you. Um, and then you say things like, man, I need to get back to Guatemala. It's like, no, you just need to get back to a radical, self-sacrificial life, which is very difficult to pull off in our culture, yeah. a culture that's self-preserving all the time. Right. So I was joking earlier about you can't say the Spirit, because I think that is a, a piece that we often miss. Is like the mm-hmm. Spirit is moving supernaturally, but also sometimes using us too, right? And so if we want to access the culture... We've got to believe the spirit's already there, right? Yeah. We're not we're not the holders of this secret, and he's like, okay, now the spirit can come on this campus or at my workplace or at my gym. Um, so yeah, I need to do a better job of that. But anyway, this is, podcast isn't about me. <laughs> <laughs> so okay, so you mentioned the Super Bowl. This will be fun. You guys want to spice it up a little bit? Let's talk about okay. it. Okay. Okay. So this is the second year in a row they had the He Gets Us campaign, the Christian yeah. mm-hmm. uh, commercials. Um, this year, they used a bunch of what I think are AI, definitely, AI. definitely <laughs> generated <laughs> images of people washing people's feet. And the very last one was a what appeared to be a Catholic priest washing what appeared to be a gay man's feet. And 
we were, uh, I went to the gym this morning and there was a guy there. I've talked to him one time before and, you know, I struck up a conversation about the Super Bowl. Do you watch the game? He's like, what do you think about the commercials? I said, you know, they're funny or whatever. He goes, man, not to get, and this is very poignant. He goes, not to get political, but did you see the Jesus commercial? And I'm thinking that wasn't political. That's religious. But he, I think he meant like a political correctness type thing. He goes, what do you think of that? I said, well, actually, me and my friend, uh, we go to the same church. And, you know, I kind of like, I, it struck me off, like I was not ready for that question. Um, and his biggest beef with it, he's like, yeah, you know, if you listen to what the Catholic Church says, they still don't. They still don't approve of gay marriage. They'll bless the person, but they won't bless the marriage. He's like, so who cares if they wash their feet? He's like, he's, they don't see them as real people. And I'm like, man, I don't even know you. How, how deep am I going to take this conversation right now? We're trying to lift, right? Um, but it was just interesting that, like, I didn't know. Him. Like, talk about where the culture is. He is he's either on a quest to find truth or he is so against Christianity that he's going to tell a stranger, like, I don't believe in that stuff. Um, it's only the day after the Super Bowl, so I don't know if you guys have had conversations about that stuff yet. Well, it's all over social media. Mm-hmm. Everyone has a take. Um, and here we are having a take. Mm-hmm. Having a take. <laughs> uh, what's your, what's the Gen Z take? Um, I don't know. We were just sitting watching the game and we we're like, oh, that's cool. And then there was someone next to us and they said, oh man, the Christians are really going hard this Super Bowl. So yeah. <laughs> I guess we're really going hard. I got, I got <laughs> feedback from one of my friends like they could use that $15 million to clothe and feed people. Feed the poor. Yeah. yeah. Which, and the, the guy in the gym said that too to me. I said, well, the idea is, I think, if that commercial connects with people and those people and enough people give their life to Christ, those people could do way more than $15 million mm-hmm. worth of good work. Yeah. And really, yeah. It's uh, so hard. Oh my gosh. We've got a long, we've got plenty of time left on the podcast. Let's go. I don't, I don't know who those people are that created this video. I don't know where they got their $15 million. Uh, so it's hard to judge intent. Like, and, and I do think it's a little simple to just pick an, a monetary number and say, give it away. And somehow that's a morally high, like a morally superior thought. So, uh, I wonder if it is it here, if it's like pre-evangelism. So that commercial allowed you to have a conversation at the gym that previously you might not have been able to have. Now, did that commercial create a tension point for culture and Christians to dialogue about? Yes. Can you wash someone's feet while simultaneously not affirming their lifestyle? Yes. Jesus washed Judas's feet and Judas was going to betray him a few hours later. That is a wild thought. Uh, Jesus only washed his disciples' feet in terms of the, the Gospels. He, he didn't wash other people's feet, so it's an interesting idea. But I think the spirit of it's like, uh, we love you, we're trying to serve you. Um, but there is seemingly, uh, I want to just be so like sad and just say it's impossible. It just feels impossible to tell someone I love you but don't affirm you. When that is the message of the gospel, that is God's heart towards every single person. I love you, but you've rebelled against me in 10,000 ways, and I cannot affirm that rebellion. 
I'm too holy to give it a pass, but I'm too loving to leave you dead in your sin. So here comes Jesus willing to pay a price he never owed to give a gift we couldn't earn. Like that whole thing is the gospel. And we've received that, even though it's not maybe about our sexual brokenness, which all of us have sexual brokenness. Everybody has sexual brokenness. So the shortcuts feel like, um, there it goes. The church is uh, affirming. And it's like, I don't know. I, th- I think these are the tension points. It feels like you either affirm me or you're outraged. And I'm saying, that, I'm not saying it's just a third way. I'm saying the way of Jesus is neither of those. Um, it, it's a loving posture that leads to repentance every time, all the time for everyone. If you think you get Jesus without repentance, you have not read the Bible. You have not understood the story. And so if someone saw that and was like, oh, he's just affirming everyone, I'm like, that, then that's not Jesus. I'm, I'm sorry that was a misunderstanding because I love Christ. I repent every day, like hourly. Um, and that's the invitation, come and die. So it's, a, it's interesting. Uh, I think they did two commercials. One was mm-hmm. AI and one was um, Jesus doesn't preach hate. Nah, okay, that's tricky. Mm-hmm. He doesn't. They did the neighbor one. The neighbor one. Mm-hmm. That was better, I thought, than I the other the one. I like the neighbor one. Um, they got 30 seconds to tell a story. Yeah. And it got you a conversation at the gym. So totally. that's, that's a, that's a win, right? Yeah. I mean, when I, when we were done, like we went to different parts of the gym, I was like, Hey, let's keep this line of communication open. We can talk about this anytime. That was me being like, I was totally unprepared. I could have said something way better. You know, it's like you always hear like, be ready, be ready to share the gospel. You never know when it's going to happen. Like it's true guys. Be ready. <laughs> be ready. Somebody might just, talk to you in the gym that feels impossible though oh yeah this yeah to how do i retell the story of creation in this universe and everything <laughs> and we're it's like six o'clock between trying to get, get, your, get your gains like, <gasps> yeah i'm trying to get my, get my gains that pre-workout hasn't even hit yet i don't even take pre-work maybe i need to take pre-workout just to get hyped up enough to there talk about jesus it takes some hyping read some paul and then you'll be equipped by yeah. the spirit beforehand yeah. Oh man, the Ben um, Ben Affleck, J Lo, Matt Damon commercial did make me laugh so hard. There's some good ones. Where Tom Brady's in that. <laughs> Tom, I think Tom Brady probably had the record for appearances in most commercials. I'm pretty sure. Peyton <laughs> Manning me. had some good ones too. Oh my gosh, yeah. I need to go on and, and watch them all. Um, okay, cool. So I think that was tangential to the the sermon. Well, Talking it's, about it's, the uh, it's interpreting the spirituality of our culture. Um, People do that with the chosen. They they just get mad. Um, so I, I I like getting mad. It's one of my favorite things. <laughs> I appreciate some outrage. I have hot takes on most everything. Uh, I just feel like the fruit of that has not been what I would hoped. The fruit. Trust me. Now no one's gonna trust me because you can't. Um, but if you're listening, I have 20 years of outrage. And it doesn't seem to work. <laughs> it doesn't seem to produce the fruit. Um, I do not recommend affirmation of all things because that's the better way. Uh, I'm just recommending some sort of convictional uh, understanding where people are and, and being convictional but being gracious to the journey. Uh, people are on a journey, and that pre-evangelism is a thing. Yeah. This could be a slippery slope, and hopefully I'm not misunderstood. Is there a place to um, soft affirm before you tell the truth to formulate the relationship with the culture? 
No. Uh, and, and if you mean self-affirm sin, no. Uh, loving people, being friends with people, getting to know people, if that's perceived as soft affirmation, that's just called being misunderstood. Like, okay, here's a, here's a real life example I just made up, <laughs> but it, it can be helpful. Uh, our neighbors, lesbians. Yeah. Um, let's say we have dinner with them and they say, you know, we know you guys are Christians. What do you think about it? In that moment, first dinner ever. Yeah. And you're saying that it is not okay for me to say, to affirm their sexual relationship to and I'm not saying I would, but just to, because I hear you. There's a lot of people that would say, "Okay, see ya." Yeah, the door, never, there's the door. Never you come can, back. You can leave. Yeah. Um. It, there's some nuance here. Like, are they trying to follow Jesus? Are they asking you Jesus's yeah. take? Uh, I have family members who are in same-sex marriages, and I've, uh, I have never disapproved of them to their face. Um. When they ask me about Jesus, then I talk about God's design for human flourishing mm-hmm. and, and all of those things. And, and I wouldn't pinpoint it to their particular scenario. I'd pinpoint it to every bit of sexual brokenness outside of one man, one woman, covenantal, sacrificial, yeah. mutual submission, lifelong, blah, 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 right? Like sure. that stuff matters. And if you're on the hot seat with a neighbor and they say, what do you think of us? You think, I'm so glad we're neighbors <laughs> and I love yeah. you and you guys are great. Uh, what do you think of me? Well, I believe it or not, my opinion of you doesn't matter. If you want to talk about Jesus, could we have like a really sweet dinner and like talk about Jesus? Yeah. Uh, that would, and, I, and they'd be like, well, you're skirting the issue. And you could say, listen, I believe God's design. Now, I wouldn't pinpoint them. I believe God's design for human flourishing is one man, one woman, covenantial, lifelong. And everything outside of that is distorting what's, what's available. That means adultery. That means pornography. That means all of it's called porneia. Uh, now, are they going to buy that? Probably not. Yeah. They're going to say, well, you're still saying me. And I'm, and I'm saying, listen, I'm saying everybody, myself included. Uh, if I have lust in my heart, I am outside of God's design. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and you and I are much more, well, we are much more similar than you might think. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so, and that's not me being soft. It's not. And I think there's people maybe even listening, they're like, oh, it's just cop out. It's not. It's not. Um, there's no compromise in that. Now, if they say, I follow Jesus, and he says this is okay, now we put on the prophet hat, and we have a different conversation. Yeah. Because uh, they've already claimed Christ. And so uh, I feel like that tone can be much more convictional while being gracious uh, versus the previous tone is just like, can we just talk Jesus first? Um, yeah. Yeah. But there's, dude, there's people out there that are like, no, you got to just light them up totally. right away. <laughs> I think the tricky part about culture is, and how to like access culture, is it's always changing. Yeah. Like right now it's gay marriage. Before it was interracial marriage. There's Christians totally misinterpreting the Bible. Well, right? that was foolishness. That was foolishness. But I guess like, I'm the skeptic on the podcast, so I'll say it. Not that I personally believe this, but there could be a time... 50 years from now where the theologians of the day at the top are saying that was foolishness. We got it all wrong. Um, so are we just going on our, on our best interpretation of the Bible that we have in the moment? And maybe it would be helpful to not talk, not talk about it in like the pornea thing. Cause it's so hot button, but like there could be something else that we believe that for whatever reason it could this, change in the future. 
uh, I wish people could give me like 10 years of great relationship and lots of kind tones so that when I say what I'm about to say, I wouldn't feel like a hot take. Everyone, Josh is a good person <laughs> and I've seen it with my own eyes. So he's cool. Yeah. Um, I, I, I believe that good biblical interpretation always corrects bad biblical interpretation. I believe say, uh, interracial, if, if anyone was against interracial marriage, it wasn't from the Bible. Moses was married to someone of a different race. Um, so God celebrates interracial marriage. He loves it. It's glorious. It f- promotes Imago Day. It's great. Uh, my, my submission to the world is that I don't think someone reading the Bible found same-sex marriage to lead to flourishing. I think cultural pressure led them to that. Therefore, even if the best theologians of the day are saying it's fine, they didn't get that from the Bible. They got that from cultural pressure. And if the pressure's that strong, it's only that strong in America, by the way. Like, the rest of the world is not having this conversation because it's not clearly seen in the text. It's not. Uh, Find one same-sex relationship in the Bible that's being celebrated and and glorified and put forth as holy and beautiful. Um, And it's it's just not from the text. It's from the culture, typically, and... um, Man, we've really digressed to this topic here, but but this is a this is a significant cultural moment we're having. Yeah. Whole denominations are splitting over this topic, and, and I think it's uh, it's that affirmation retreat idea. And sadly, the only other alternative feels like outrage, and yeah. and we have to not be either of those. You're opening your I'm mouth, itching. Ashley. Let's I'm hear itching. it. I loved what you said in a sermon a while back, and it was. The gospel is offensive. Don't let us be the first offense. And I think that's, like we've mentioned in that one sermon, was like hospitality is the new evangelism. So at the end of the day, we have to be people who are loving and welcoming and breaking bread with others and seeing others as we are as humans. And when the time comes to that conversation of let's talk Jesus— that's where the gospel gets offensive. But we can't be the ones to close off our doors and say, you can't come in because yada, yada, yada. That's good. Ashley listens to stuff we say, so be careful good job. out there. Yeah, <laughs> take seriously what you say from that stage, Josh. Yeah, that's that's Tim Keller, believe it or not. Of course it's Tim Keller. Of course <laughs> it is. The gospel is offensive and attractive. And, and if it's offensive in its nature, then you shouldn't have to be offensive in your approach. Right. Uh, it's going to get to the point where you're a sinner and you need a savior that in and of itself is offensive right so it's good sweet um okay well let's go back to the my questions from the thing <laughs> that was all good i love talking we about digress yeah mm-hmm. we digress um how okay can the world accomplish the things of god without knowing that it's god's way towards the end of the message you kind of talked about this um is that a possibility and does god celebrate that Yes, in, in some ways. Um, okay, let's talk government for a second, right? The, nice. Yeah, fun, fun times. Um, there are two institutions ordained by God, the church and the government. And the government has been uh, legislated authority by God to uphold justice and uh, punish evil. Can they do that without honoring God? Yeah. Uh, and, and is therefore government corruption is so frustrating because you know it's not supposed to be that way. You've been given power uh, 
to uphold justice and you're abusing that power. And we know that's not okay. Take, take Jesus out of this. We just know, like, those in power shouldn't do that. Why? Because they shouldn't. Well, why? <laughs> They've been legislated that authority by God. And so there's a lot of common grace happening in that space. Uh, I think there are humanitarian groups uh, doing really good stuff. Um, and we know that when people do wrong things, it doesn't sit well with us. And so I think all of that's because God is gracious and we're made in his image. And um, I, I can watch the Super Bowl and see all the stuff. And, and my first thought isn't evil debauchery. My first thought is like, man, God has created some awesome people who are incredibly gifted and creative and like Taylor and, Swift. Yeah. I mean, okay. Come may, on. Maybe they're, maybe they're using that in a way that isn't exactly Christ exalting. Okay. Uh, but my first thought isn't look at the downfall of man. It's look at the glory of God being mishandled, misused, that sort of thing. So uh, I'm blown away by creativity. I'm blown away by entrepreneurs and things that are happening in the world. Um, but yeah, there's, there's brokenness in the midst of that. So I still think the church is the best place to find the answers to all these problems. Uh, but all truth is God's truth. And there's some, some good truth out there that's not being attributed to God, and it should be. So let's take like an, uh, a secular NGO who's doing humanitarian aid, pick a country, giving them water, whatever. Don't believe in God. They just do it because they think it's the right thing to do. How do we best show them that if you take that line of reasoning to the very end, it does not fulfill and it is not holy. It is not yeah. God's design. How do we show them that maybe in an attempt to win them for Christ? Well, Again, these are broad generalizations, but anybody doing humanitarian work is subtly, it, it feels impossible to not be self-interested even in that endeavor. So you're like, I'm doing all this good and it benefits me. I feel like only in Jesus do you have the ability to do good for his glory, not my glory. And that's a battle. But without Christ, it, it's somehow for your own significance, your own glory, your own gain. And there's the pride of life even in your good deeds. And Jesus says, like, hey, when you do good deeds, do them in the secret. Because uh, if you get praised by man, that's your reward. So I guess what I'm saying is if you provide water without eternal life also on the table, then you're just making the world a better place to go to hell from, which sounds <laughs> awful. Yeah. Sounds awful. Um and also, we should take care of this world and be good stewards because God's going to renew all things. And so that I guess that's the tension of um, being faithful to steward the world and also being mindful of the eternal life that only truly changes someone. Yeah. I mean, that's a great thought to end on. You guys got anything else? Well, kind of in relation to, to the question of, of, like, can we do it without God? I was in a gender communication class this past semester and the prompt for our group activity was come up with a new men's movement that like instead of feminism gets men involved and my group I was like trying to throw in gospel in there and I was like hey what if we like loved ourselves and loved our neighbors uh wanting to also add and love God um which teaches us to love ourselves. But so I was just like manipulating the conversation a little bit. And then this other group, which I didn't, I didn't have any touch in came up with the exact same prompt. Mm. And it's like, 
there's a want there but then if you get just love yourself then that kind of goes back to our whole idol topic in the first place but the love god is is necessary but i think that there's an aching for Mm -hmm. that truth in that way that's good i think there's a hunger for substance and if you're Mm -hmm. providing substance for men or women or whoever i i mentioned the barbie movie we talked about Mm -hmm. it quite a bit this was genu- genuinely a question. Like, and when the Titanic goes down, it was women and children first to the lifeboats. And the men understood that to be the way. Mm-hmm. Like, we die. That's normal. Okay, ladies. If a cruise ship goes down today, is it still women and children first? I don't know. Genuinely, this is not a, a People are going to start identifying as women in I, that I, moment. I don't know. I genuinely don't know. Uh, so has culture gone so far that uh, even that isn't the same? Um I've I've heard echoes of this. I don't I don't know substantively about this, but like um, we don't draft anymore to the war. But like women being drafted, women being front line of combat. Uh, from what I understand, even in the American military, like you're not wanting women front line combat zone stuff. And so even in that, there's these echoes of difference. Yeah. yeah. Echoes, not uh, again. Like everyone has a take on that. But if, if you just interchange us, like, okay, women, you're out there. Like, I do believe that humanity itself would go, wait a second. But where did that wait a second come from? Right. Truly. Like, not, I, I don't know. What, women and children, you're first to life. Where does that come from? Um, that's that deep echo of God inside of us saying, there's a way. There's a, there's a design for flourishing. I know the way. It's built inside. This is Romans 1. There's, there's no excuse. There's, it's in you kind of stuff. So all that to say, there is a hunger in our culture for substantive flourishing conviction that's kind uh, because people are trying other stuff and it's not working. It's not working and, and it's making them sad. Yeah. And nothing wrong with being sad. Sad is awesome. Uh, but sad with uh, a foundation to land on is way better. I think sad is my favorite emotion. <laughs> it's good. It's <laughs> Have like, you seen feels, Inside Out? It feels Aww. so good. Yeah, she's the hero. Of the she's story. the hero. My yeah. gosh, it feels so good to be sad. But sad with nothing to land on, yeah, is a different. Well, that's. I mean, that's why people watch scary movies. Is they feel good when it's over. Right. That's why I like being sad. It feels great when it's over. Gosh, thanks. Thank for thank when you for Barbie that cries, passage. she's like, this is amazing and terrible. <laughs> right. And I love right. it and yeah. I hate it. And it's like, yeah. it's good. That's so mm-hmm. good. Well, Ashley, thank you for being on the pod. Uh, Ashley runs our social media. So do you have anything for our listeners? Like how should they interact with social media? Comment, like, comment, like, subscribe, subscribe yes, smash that like button, all the good stuff. Yes. Please engage. Cool. Uh, Another way you can engage is send us questions. If you guys uh, listen to the message and have some thoughts that we could chat about on the podcast, uh, hit us up on our Instagram direct message, or you can always email us at podcast at gracesd.com. And until next week, we will talk to you then.